Hi, it's Jack here. Welcome to the Optimist Podcast. If it's your first time here, this podcast is all about innovations, ideas and solutions that are set to change the world and help us tackle some of the biggest issues facing us today. Countries across the world are pledging to plant millions of trees in a bid to tackle climate change. But how do you incentivize landowners to get involved in carbon capture and make sure businesses and organizations paying for it know that they're getting their money's worth? Well, today's guest, who helped found a company called Tree Economy, believes he has the answer. We've done a, a great job at destroying the environment and, and, and chopping things down and, and degrading it. So we now need to not just stop that, but then actively take action to invest into regenerating nature. Here in the UK, the government has pledged to increase tree planting to 30,000 hectares a year by 2025. Whilst planting trees isn't a silver bullet for solving the climate crisis, they do tackle a very big issue. Extracting carbon dioxide from the air that we've pumped into the atmosphere since the start of the Industrial Revolution. But if you're a landowner, you want to make money from your property if possible, and signing vast swathes of your land over to tree planting doesn't sound like a great source of income. However, that's where Harry from Tree Economy comes in. My name's Harry. I'm uh, the co-founder and CEO at a company called Tree Economy. Essentially, we're, we're looking at using various technology methods, largely remote sensing, to more accurately calculate um, CO2 and, and carbon captured by trees and, and forest ecosystems. Predominantly focused then on, on sort of the carbon removal market and, and carbon offsetting, as, as you and I will, will know. How long have you actually been doing this for? Is it, is it quite a new thing? Sure. So I founded, I founded the company in 2018, but that was mainly just to kind of give myself a kickstart and a, a bit of peer pressure to, to take it seriously. I was working in, in wealth management at the time. So, so after, after leaving university, I worked in financial services for, for three years qualified as a, as a financial advisor. And it was in kind of the, the last year of that that I'd, I'd sort of come across the, well, I, I had the idea for it and it was very conceptual, but, but I, I couldn't really get it out of my head and thought, um, you know what, I'll, I'll, give this, I'll give this a go and, and really do it. But I kept saying that to myself. And, and then I finally just thought, right, how do you do it? Let's set this up and, and take it seriously. But really, we've, uh, we've only... I, I would say truly been operating as a business since about September 2020. So, so kind of after after the sort of COVID pandemic kicked off, um, actually. So, so we were operating the whole time as a remote business, which has been quite fun. Great. And you joined forces with is it Robert, who's your co-founder? How's that relationship played out? Basically, I, I started the business in 2018, but that was very concept stage, and and it was just me, um, and it was more just an idea, to be honest. But through, through the process, having done some research, I realized that, that if you are to become a, a proper sort of business founder and you're looking at, at bringing in investment capital uh, for an early stage business, a lot of that relies on you as the individual and you're really selling yourself with the idea rather than the idea with yourself. And so I decided for that, I, I would need to sort of upskill and, and go back to university in, in this sense to, to, to learn about climate change and, and really get into the, the, the fundamentals of it. And uh, it was the, the June or July, I forget exactly when, uh, just before I started um, in, in August, that I, I met with, uh, with Rob for the first time there. And, and we, we spoke for a, a couple of months afterwards. And, and I think Rob joined in, in sort of you know, formally joined in, in September, October time as, as a co-founder. And, and we've been going since then. And that's, 
that's really when things started happening and and, uh, and got going between us. Because carbon offsetting is something that is being bounced around a lot at the moment. You know, you, you've got the government talking about it, saying it's going to be a big solution to climate change. You've got uh, a lot of activists and you know climate change leaders talking about it. For those listening who have no idea what carbon offsetting is, can you just break it down in a really simple way? Yeah, you're right, and and it's it really is a hot topic at the moment. There's there's a lot of buzz around it. Um, I mean, essentially. You can break it down. Carbon carbon offsetting is is basically an accounting framework for for emissions in that sense. So, and and it depends, you know, in which format you account for it. But but at the simplest level, there is an emission of CO two in some way. I mean, the you know, one, one of the easiest ways to, to view it is is you, you take a flight from from here to a, a different country. You board that flight. The plane takes off. That's burning um, kerosene and, and releasing CO two into the atmosphere. So that's a, that's an emission, and offsetting is basically a, a method by which you can say, okay, I've taken an active action or funded that action uh, to remove the requisite sort of equal amount from the atmosphere in 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 time. There's a, a sort of bit of a mess on, underneath the lid as to exactly what type of offset and where does it come from and those those different things. But but basically, it, it's an accounting framework: one out, one in equals zero and, and that that is an offset emission so how does tree economy and your your business actually fit within that the vision for us is is basically to become a vertically integrated developer and broker of these offsets so we'll work with landowners um, to set up projects specifically afforestation projects so we're focused focused on on nature-based solutions we think that that nature in its in its best form is is our best method to to actively remove co2 We've done a, a great job at destroying the environment and, and, and chopping things down and, and degrading it. So we now need to not just stop that, but then actively take action to invest into regenerating nature, whether that's through you know a, a recreating a forest or a, a rewilding space. We need to take those those projects and, and Tree Economy will be involved actively as a, an agent to, to basically support the, the creation of that. Then... On the, the other side of the business, uh, the way that we, we support that is by basically selling the services that those projects create, predominantly the service of carbon capture and removal through offsetting. In between that, we have a, a technology set that, that basically uh, will better quantify and track those changes and services through time. So d- does that mean that you know, uh, a homeowner or, so, you know, just an individual could purchase carbon offsetting credits or something through you? Or does it have to be a company organisation? What, what kind of scale? So so at the moment, what we're looking to do as a business is go directly to businesses. So we want to be a business to business business. So so we will we'll plan to work with landowners. So estates, farmers, charities, NGOs, and then look to sell the offset credits that those uh, landowners develop and, and create to large companies. So that could be companies in hard to abate sectors, um, you know, aviation or mining or cement and steel, for example, things that things that are the bedrock for the economy today, uh, that ideally selling, we're selling to companies, well, and this is probably what we're, we're sort of just refining right now as to exactly who do we work with and sell to but basically those who have made you know good commitments predominantly science-based targets or something similar uh, to reduce their emissions but but essentially there's nothing they can do about that today 
And that's where we can step in and basically provide that uh, sort of transition support. If we take it to one side and look at the landowners, the the trees are going to be planted on to to offset the carbon. How how does that work? You know, I'm a farmer. I've got a bit of land. Uh, I come to you and say I want to plant some trees and earn a bit of extra cash on the side. How, how does that process work? Sure. So so we we want we want uh, to bring as many landowners into essentially what we call carbon farming. So you might farm the land at the moment uh, with with animals, or, or it might be for for wheat or, or corn. Uh, we think there's there's equal place uh, to be a carbon farmer and and to work on that basis. Essentially, let's take. I mean, we, we could you know we're we're looking to operate on a, on a global basis, but we're based in the, in the UK for now. So if we took the the UK as as the example, essentially what you, what you've got the the voluntary carbon market, which is which is where carbon offsets are traded in the UK, has a standard. That standard is called the Woodland Carbon Code. It's essentially a a, a label and and a, a process by which it gives a certain certification. It goes through, uh, it's under the Forestry Commission or, or Scottish Forestry specifically. Um, so essentially, if you're the landowner, you come to us, we can support with the creation of, of a project. So you, let's say you've got 10 hectares of land or 100 hectares of land. Uh, you basically need to take that and then on, on paper, you, you basically draw up what you're going to be doing on that. So planting these species in those locations for this reason. And then uh, there's a, essentially a, a table which is used to project uh, the future capture of those of, of sort of CO2 and, and of those emissions. And that is then submitted to the Woodland Carbon Code for, for approval. And that, that process is called validation. Uh, and essentially, that is, that is how we support landowners in getting their project into the code. And, and then on an ongoing basis, uh, we're looking to basically sell the carbon on their behalf at the highest possible price and earn them income. And, and we, we operate on a, a percentage profit share arrangement. So, so we're in it with them. So are these landowners actually going to be, in comparison to having cattle or growing some crops, are they actually going to be making more or less money or about the same? Is it, is it worth their time is the question, really? It's, it's a great question. It's, it's a really, really good question. And this is exactly what we're looking at right now. Um, we think that we can be comparable um, to a lot of current farming techniques, specifically when we look at uh, sort of less favorable areas and, and uh, sort of sheep grazing and that sort of thing. Those industries on the face of it don't make a lot of money from a revenue nor income perspective. And a lot of farming in general, uh, and if you take this from a, a top-down average, 50% of, of farming income comes from um, state subsidies. And, and, and the UK right now is, is transitioning from, obviously, as, as we've left the EU, transitioning from the common agricultural policy to a totally different subsidy regime. So 50% of top-line income is, is very questionable and, and uncertain right now. So we think there'll be a shift anyway towards you know public payments for public goods which include biodiversity and, and carbon capture which is a, a bit of a, a tailwind for us which is which is great but even today we think that we can we can compete quite aggressively with with existing land use but also for us it's it's designing systems where it's i heard this great phrase the other day land sharing rather than land sparing essentially you should be able to have multiple streams from the same space so let's say you're, you're a sheep farmer. You don't have to stop being a sheep farmer. A lot of this is, is handed down. It's hereditary. It's in the family. We're not saying stop that and become a forester. We're saying continue doing that, but don't be stupid. Support yourself with, with a different revenue stream, which is carbon. It's a, you know, a very sustainable land use method. And, and 
you can make money from from the mitigation, i.e. capturing carbon. But project this forward into 20, 30 years time. If we continue on the same trajectory and, and climate change continues, you're going to be in, in not just a, an average warmer world, but the peaks of, of that heat in summer, for example, are going to be significantly higher, more than the average, which means that you're probably going to want increased shade for, for sheep, as an example. So doing this isn't just a financial decision as a new piece of, of work and, and revenue. It's it's supporting what you're already doing. And, and I think that's a really important message we're, we're trying to put across. So these landowners, if they plant trees on a couple of hectares, say, do they get a payment for like the first year to offset the carbon and everything for the, the consumer? Or is it an ongoing kind of revenue stream? So this, this is where we're looking to be a little bit different and a bit more disruptive to conventional um, companies. So uh, two two broad bits to, to, to be aware of today. Uh, there is grant funding for tree planting. So there's actually not that much of an issue in terms of paying upfront for trees. That's not really the blocker. Uh, what's what the, the issue for that, though, is that you then you've got an opportunity cost. So, again, let's say you're, you're, you're the sheep farmer example. You stop farming sheep, you plant trees, you've got grants which could cover you uh, for planting, probably pay you a little bit over the top. And, uh, and maybe even pay you for the first, I don't know, five years if, if you're in the right sort of place, the, the grant schemes change. But after that point, you've got no income from this. Let, let's say you were doing it for timber, you're going to be waiting for you know, 20 years probably to, to actually get anything from your land. So what we're looking to provide is, is essentially that funding as a, as a stopgap and, and provide that, that ongoing income, hence why we want it to be a, a carbon farming perspective, because it's, it's act- actively delivering a, a service over time. Now, the way that the, the market is currently set up means that you can sell, uh, you can basically front sell the carbon capture from the future today. So carbon is sold in vintages. So it could be, you know, vintage uh, that's year zero to five and then year five to 15 and then year 15 to 25 as an example. You've got, you've got those different batches and vintages and you can, you can, you can sell that today. But what that means is there's a bit of an issue where these credits then start being sold as offsets when actually they're, they're not. Because the that if we go back to, to where we started with the accounting principles of, of sort of one out, one in equals zero, in this scenario, you're saying I've emitted one emission, one ton of CO2, and I've committed to capturing it in 20 years time. But what that means is that that, that CO2 emission is causing damage and havoc for a 20-year period in the atmosphere, which which is is exactly the period where we need to be removing it. So so it's 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 the wrong incentive scheme. So what we want to set up is a, a process whereby we're essentially setting up a long-term purchase contract into the future for future capture, uh, which which is essentially taking learnings from the renewable energy finance market and and taking it into this marketplace. Um, so it's it's a bit of a subtle difference, but what it means then is that we have a more financially mature uh, mechanism, essentially, for, for financing this, that we can absorb and, and facilitate as, as tree economy, but gives the farmer or the landowner the guarantee that it will be purchased. We could, for example, lend against it, and you can provide that income today, but not sell it. It just means that you're a lot more flexible. Because when you put the trees up against the emerging carbon capture technologies, there's a lot of those out there now that can almost suck the CO2 from the air and put it into the ground or turn it into a rock or something like that. I've, I've seen lots of different types. Why wouldn't I, as a consumer, 
just opt for that and say they can suck the CO2 out of the atmosphere next week and then I'm done. Rather than have to wait for a tree to be planted and grow over a period of time and then suck eventually the same equivalent levels of CO2 out of the air? No, it's a good question. And, and I think, I mean, first of all, um, as the consumer, you should do both. <laughs> and, 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 we, and, and, you know, consumers have a lot of power uh, in terms of, of using money to, to create that sort of, you know, Bill Gates at the moment with his new book is talking about price signals and green premiums and things like that. Um, you know, these di direct air carbon capture, these machines, they, they need to exist. They need to succeed. Uh, because, you know, the, there's no IPCC scenario now that allows us to hit a 1.5 degree C world without carbon removal. So even the scientists say we need this. So they they have to succeed. Why we're championing nature-based solutions at, at Tree Economy is basically there's more than just carbon here. Um, and, and if we're looking at this in terms of, uh, there's there's a great graphic where you see sort of COVID-19 as a tidal wave and then climate change behind it as an even bigger tidal wave. And then there's one behind climate change, which is the biodiversity crisis and, and collapse of, of biodiversity. And, and you could argue that, uh, you know, the, the theory that, that COVID-19 has been transmitted through through bats, through essentially the, the degradation of, of nature as a buffer to these 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 uh, sort of illnesses and, and, and diseases. We've degraded that over time. So what we're looking to do is invest money into rebuilding this kind of nature facility, nature infrastructure, which, yes, delivers carbon capture and, and, and storage, but also delivers a, a sort of biodiversity buffer and benefit or uh, water management. Like flooding in the UK is, is, it causes, on average, a billion pounds uh, of damage per year. Now, if you're increasing tree cover, you're going to increase water retention and reduce flooding. So instantly you can begin to see how there's like an insurance benefit to this. And, and it's, it's, it's all of that built in. So those, those are the reasons why you, the, the, the key really for us is saying that we can track it better and you can avoid picking the bad projects. So for tree economy, is it all about afforestation and planting trees? Or are you also looking at other methods of carbon capture like rewilding and agroforestry and stuff like that? We're starting with uh, conventional forestry. So, so, you know, a forest because from a technology perspective, it's a little bit simpler to, to look at. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a relatively standard shape. In, in general, you know what, uh, what trees have been planted where, and, and it, it allows us to build in a slightly safer space the, the technology tools. But absolutely what we're looking to do from, because we're looking to build these tools from the bottom up, i.e. we want a, a tech set where we can point to a particular area on a map roll out the tools and, and click fingers and essentially say that much carbon is held in this area. The application for that within rewilding, for example, is 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 pretty clear, is that we we can be the company that can track and, and test this over time. And again, if, if we're looking at that land sharing concept, then, then agroforestry fits in nicely. This is essentially where you've got, I don't know, let's say a field of wheat and essentially you begin to, to basically plant a line of trees down it and, and you get uh, an alleyway of crops, so alley cropping. And, and, and that's, that's exactly the sort of thing that, that we want to, to champion and, and support. And we see for us as a business, each of these project types essentially becomes our product. So, you know, Coca-Cola have different Coke types or whatever other companies are available. <laughs> but, uh, but, but you see what I mean? And, and each, you know, so you should you should be able to come onto our website in in a year or two's time and say, right, 
I want to support an afforestation project or I want to support a rewilding project. And we can, we've got a, a project of each of these. We've got a different price point because each thing delivers a, a different value and a, and a, and a different piece that, that comes with it. And you as the buyer, whether that's a company or, as an, or an individual, can select and support for different reasons based on well, whatever, whatever your personal choices. That sounds really exciting to, to have that option. I mean, what, one thing that we haven't touched on, which people are always thrilled to talk about, are drones. Because I've noticed that drones and the use of LiDAR is something that Treeconomy is uh, going to be using. Uh, I'm not sure. Have you already started using it or is it something that you're looking to use in the future? And how, how does it work? Uh, we, we've done some early testing with, with um, yeah, drone-borne LiDAR. Um, we're also looking at other drone-based data. I mean, essentially, so LiDAR um, is uh, light detecting and, and ranging. It's essentially like radar, but using lasers. So it's it's that idea of, of bouncing or, or sending a, a laser out. Uh, it bounces off an object, comes back, and, and basically builds a 3D shape around something. But because uh, we, we, with the new uh, LiDAR sensors coming out at the moment, you basically get like a, a multi-penetrating laser beam. So if you take a, a mature forest, for example, with a canopy and complete coverage, you can get one piece that will bounce back off the canopy. You'll then get something that other bits that go through that and bounce off like the, the trunk and then something else that will bounce off the ground. So you've got essentially like a, you know, almost like X-ray vision through the forest structure. So what it means is that we can begin to look at exact 3D volume analysis of, of the tree in the forest site. Now, the importance of that is grounded in the current methods that we use to calculate carbon. So at the moment, you go out to a forest with your tape measure. You, you do something called diameter at breast height measurement, where you basically measure the trunk of, of the tree with, with your tape measure. You plug that into like an equation and it gives you an estimate for the size of the tree. You then project that over the rest of the forest. So it's a it's an are, estimate. Are people still doing that? <laughs> this is this is how the entire forest market and and carbon market is is designed at the moment. So this is wow. this. I mean, you know, the Nordics and, and Scandinavia, as per usual, are leading the way with with this technology. They're using lidar as an example. So that there are there is good practice out there. But I don't know. Ninety five percent of uh, forest markets in various forms are, are still very manual through this. Um, and that's 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 the training mechanism. So that's that's what that's where we the baseline for for how we do things today, which is relatively accurate for timber yields. But what we're talking about here is is carbon and CO2, and that's very different to timber. If you're looking at if you're calculating timber, all you really care about is the trunk. You chop the tree down, you have the trunk, you chop off the the branches and the other bits. That's irrelevant. For carbon, that's incredibly relevant because there's there's a massive part of that, especially when we look at more dispersed planting regimes. Because if you if you put trees together, they'll grow up and they'll grow straight. If you spread trees out, they grow up and they grow outwards and they go in random shapes and sizes and different things. And you can't really model that. So our approach is, is basically saying we need to model exactly what's there by assessing exactly what's there. We're testing, we've just finished testing um, something now called photogrammetry, which is essentially the same process, but using imagery. So you, you take thousands of images with a, uh, on the drone, uh, and you can then extract individual points from those images, and again, create that 3D volume. And, and we can get uh, sort of sub one meter resolution on, on that. So we can, we can get a really high resolution. We, we, I think we had a, an area where 
we had about 200 million points <laughs> that made this this, wow. this date from from photogrammetry and i mean I, I should say here as well it's it's the tech team that we have that are doing that it's that's not that's not my specialism that that's all them they're the they're the brains behind it is that something that you know uh, going back to that example of the farmer who is planting a couple of trees on their land is that something that a client like that would see a drone being used to calculate how much carbon their trees could could capture yes yes basically yeah we've just been doing a uh we, well we're coming to the final weeks of a grant funded project so um it's called the sustainable innovation fund from uk research and, and innovation where we've been basically testing drone data predominantly photogrammetry and, and also satellite data so high resolution imagery from from satellites and having a look at you know how far can we take this tech in isolation i.e just with satellites or with drones and then in combination and how can we get to that sort of sweet spot cost-wise? Because a satellite image, you know, it's already up there. It's it's a lower cost per, per area. Whereas the drone, we, you know, even though it's remote, we still have to send a person out to fly it. And, and there's other costs that go along with it. So what we're, what we're looking at right now is is how do we optimize the use of, of both of those, basically, to, to get the, the best cost. And give, give me a, an idea. I, I know you've only been going for a period of months fully so far but how many landowners and potential clients that want to offset their carbon how many people have you actually had interested in the work you're doing or or have signed on to actually get involved so we've got about 20 landowners on our sort of long list who've who've got in touch but that's that's at various stages of of discussion um We've got, at the moment, we're looking at setting up our first full site ourselves um, up with a, an estate up in up in Scotland, uh, which would be about 100 hectares or so. Would be a, it's, it's a really nice project for us because it's essentially, um, we're looking to replicate the ancient woodland that's um, it's just facing the Isle of Arran. Um, and and is, it'll, it'll look great once, once we have that up and going. We're also speaking to two biodiversity net gain pilots in, in the UK. So... This is where we're looking at testing, uh, one of which is, is agroforestry. So it's, it's a 400 hectare agroforestry scheme and another is a regenerative agriculture scheme, at even bigger scale. So we, we've got those going and, and also a rewilding project, which is about 200 hectares. So essentially the, the key metric for us is, is hectares. How many, you know, how much land have we got? And I think right now in progress is, is about just under 1,500 hectares. So we've got a good, a good pipeline. We're currently processing our, our first sale right now from a, a third party project. So we can we can set up our own or we can work with other developers, basically. Um, and that's what we're doing in, in the interim whilst we're, we're designing these these other projects. And, uh, and now we're speaking to a, a few a few different companies, basically, and, and, and really getting to grips with with that side of the business. Aside from finding landowners that, that want to get involved, have there been any other kind of major challenges that you've had to face and overcome setting up this business? The whole reason I think that the, the concept for me is different to what other companies are doing, or at least what, what a lot of other companies are doing and, and other startups are doing. We're looking to be uh, a real world sort of actor and, and change agent. A lot of venture funded businesses are digital and, and technology and, and sort of marketplace platforms that you can sit in inside, <laughs> wherever that may be, often in stereotypically in, in London, in, in an office building. You can build a, a technology set and, and you can then sort of sell that and scale it. And that's kind of whizzy and, and great. But what it really is, is just an interface and doesn't actually tackle some of the really hard problems. So for us, we've we've decided or 
I've decided to 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 make that the focus, which I think is is good and, and resonates with with people and is genuinely the sort of change that must happen, and is the sort of thing that I think I'm biased, of course, um, but should be funded. You know, creating the dialogue and the messaging on on that, and that it's still bankable and viable and and also suitable for venture funding, has been sort of one key challenge and and is an ongoing challenge for us. I think part of the test being a, a startup founder is is resilience and uh, and can we can we stick it out for long enough uh, and and take the the hits that come along uh, and 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 I'm I'm convinced that I yeah we will be here in in ten years time and, and a lot bigger and a lot more successful. As you've already alluded to, I suppose um, we've heard for many years about governments talking about carbon offsetting and stuff, but now it does seem to be that private industry and private companies are almost leading the way you know you've got a lot of american big names that are saying they're going to be completely carbon neutral and they're looking at all different ways to to achieve that and i suppose your company offers that opportunity for those companies that as you say want to flip the switch and say today we're polluters tomorrow we're friends of the environment we're uh, carbon neutral exactly no exactly exactly and, and i and i think it i think companies are starting to realize that um, it's a it's a social legitimacy question. Um, you you cannot be a modern day company that doesn't take these things seriously, because as as I mean, just if we think it through as a society, like what is a company? A company is just a group of of people doing a thing that moves them in a direction and generally sells a product and, and makes money through that. And it's just a legal construct, but it's a construct of individuals, and those individuals care and have 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 beliefs and passions and probably have children that you know want a future which which isn't you know two three degrees warmer and sort of feet underwater so i i think i think it's it is good that, that companies are stepping up and, and frankly with um you highlighted some of these these u.s um sort of tech companies that, that tend to be leading the way they're also the ones that have the money that can fund a lot of this um and 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 really should be and you know putting putting that to work well it all sounds so incredibly exciting but the, the final question i just want to finish on is if in I don't know five ten years time we meet again and talk about tree economy, what what can you predict you'd be telling me by then? You know what does the future hold for the company? Well, that's a great question. Well, uh, okay, I'll take it back actually on that to where tree economy as a concept started, and this is where I'd like us to get to. Originally, so I was working in in wealth management before. Now the original concept for the business, and we've we've changed slightly was essentially to have an investment product. So you and I have pensions, we've got ICEs, uh, we've, we've got all sorts. Um, well, well, maybe we don't have that bigger pension. I personally don't, for example, but I hope to have one, <laughs> one day, particularly large. But essentially, we, we, we've got all, all of these, these investment things. It's, it's money that we've set aside. It has to be invested to give us a return, to build up a pot for when we retire. That money should be put to work to make money, but also to do good things and to actively do good things with, with, with impact. And I would like to, to be able to say in, in 10 years time that you can find a, a tree economy investment product that is that is trusted, that is completely, well, not completely safe because, you know, that, that's probably not allowed to be said, but but is, is just the same as uh, if you wanted to invest in a company or uh, you know, a, a bond or a loan or a renewable energy, uh, you know, wind turbine project, for example. And you should be able to do that and hold that uh, in exactly the same way with, with a, a green infrastructure tree or rewilding product. And that, that should be the way that we do it. And I think that would be important because it would also mean that we've, we've hit scale. 
and if if I can if I can be in a position where I can confidently say that to people, then then I think it it means by design we've we've been successful with with scale and trust, and we put money in in, in the right place. And that brings us to the end of the show. A huge thanks to my guest today, Harry. If you want to discover more about anything we've discussed in today's episode, then do have a look at Tree Economy's website, which I've added to the description. Next time, we're chatting to a company which specialises in the creation of microsatellites, which will help us tackle issues like urban planning, the environment and agriculture. I've been your host, Jack Sheeran. See you next time.